Hello and welcome to the Comic Cave. I'm Ramsey, aka Captain Away, and today I have a special guest here, Megan. Say hello, Megan. Hello, Megan. Thank you. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. So in the past, we've done a few podcasts, um, a Comic Cave podcast, and we're going to try and start that up again now as a bit of a uh, version of first volume. So we'll be looking at a first volume today. So Megan, what first volumes are we looking at today? Um, Today we're going to read about A Modest Proposal. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the comic, the comic. Yeah, the, the manga adaptation of that. <laughs> no, no, for real though. We're going to talk about a series of unfortunate events. Hmm. Some orphans. I mean, that's basically a comic. I mean, one of them likes to bite. <laughs> um, <laughs> presumably. Uh, okay. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, orphans. Food for thought. Yes. Yes. Uh. Definitely food for thought. Yep. Um, what did you say? It was like Annie, but, <laughs> but less singing and and more demons. Yes, yeah. more demons eating children. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I, I, which thought, is obviously what Annie was missing. I, I think you know, actually, like Annie versus Donner Party crossover would have been amazing. <laughs> but uh, that's my ideal Halloween uh, story <laughs> right there. Uh, it's like, what if Oliver, but the food, glorious food that they're singing about, his brains instead, <laughs> like like kid brain. Um, so yeah, basically we're talking about action. What we're actually talking about is, uh, The Promised Neverland, uh, the manga form. It is a manga series written by Kaiyu Shirai, a male mangaka, um, illustrated by Posca Demizu, a mysterious female artist with bright green hair. That's what I have written down and that's all you're getting. Um, (laughs) she's mysterious. She's super mysterious. Um, look her up. But it was serialized in Shonen Jump from 2016 to 2020. The anime was 12 episodes released in 2019. A second season is coming, but was delayed until January 2021. Um, for uh, obvious reasons. Yes, for obvious reasons. And uh, the manga covers up to chapter 37, volume 5 of the manga. So reading... The anime covers up to... Yes, sorry. The the anime does. And we only read the first volume of that. Um, and exciting or weird news, uh, a live action film adaptation is set to be released in December 2020. And Amazon Prime Video is developing an American live action series. So this thing was popular and it's got international appeal for sure. Yeah. Um, I actually watched the anime, so uh, I was curious to see how they compared. And we can talk about that uh, a little bit later. But first, let's go ahead and go into the summary. I mean, long story short, uh, three orphans become aware of the dark truths behind their group home. Um, The first volume is mostly about Norman and Emma attempting to figure out how to outmaneuver Mom, who is the only parent they've ever known, and uh, a new nanny who is introduced uh, called Sister Crone. Um, and I guess we should talk about our uh, trio of children. Um, yes. Just more of a duo of children at this point, but it'll become a trio. So it's like it's like Ron and Harry, but before Hermione became like cool again <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, like 
Yeah, kind of. Well, I mean, like the first book. Yeah, the first book where Her- Hermione was like there. They, they were like you girls. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she was important by the end. And that's kind of how this works. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, except uh, with, you know, gender uh, being all flipped upside down all over the place. So. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, we should talk well, about the, the characters, actually. Yeah. Um, so the main character, I would say, is Emma. Um, she is adorable, uh, just objectively. Um, she's got just, like, bright orange hair and just, like, this little, like, it's almost like, like what an anglerfish has, but, like, with hair. Um, it's just, like, it's so cute. It's, it's, it's super moe. You're going to hear me saying moe a lot, maybe. Um, because uh, these kids are, are it. Um, and then there's Norman, who is uh, exactly as he sounds. Uh, he's the normal one. Well, not, I mean, unless you're coming at this from a uh, horror fan, because he's not Norman Bates. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> well, I I didn't even think about that, but that's funny. But normal, yeah, he's... Okay, so, I mean, like, yeah, I guess we could say that... Uh, so Emma is, like, the physical one. She's uh, she's good at running, jumping, climbing trees, and she's she's the peppy one. She's got all the pep. Yes. Uh, she's your ganky girl, as one does. Um... <laughs> an it's an anime thing okay uh (laughs) emma is best girl but duh there's not a lot of choices um uh norman is like supposedly he's strategic but he's mostly just pretty like plain and quiet and then ray is the third kid and he's just like um this little black cloud uh wandering around and scheming um he's the best He's, uh, he's the best character. He's, he's the one Megan maybe uh, identifies with. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> um, you just never know what this kid is thinking. He's got just like the hair over the eye. And he just like acts like a psycho a little bit. It's a, uh, you know, he's hashtag relatable. Definitely. There's also uh, mom is is of primary importance. It's important that you understand who mom is. She's got like a Victorian governess vibe. So she's like um, like a Jane Eyre mary poppins sort of situation but the kids find out that she isn't working in their best interests and that hurts them obviously because she's really literally the only adult they've ever met uh the only parent they've ever known and she to their faces acts like she loves them yeah and um very warm and and caring you know the the whole manga is spent like i mean emma really struggles with this we see like that she has to pretend like everything's fine, even though, like, mom is really not who she thought she was. So those are basically our kids uh, and and mom, and those are the important characters. Yeah, and especially in this, I don't know if it gets to be any more in later volumes, but in this first volume, yeah, that's really all we're dealing with is pretty much four characters. So I guess we should talk, like, a little bit about the setting. We sort of find out what year it is later on, but... Uh, like, what you can see on the surface is that they're sort of living in, like, an anachronistic bubble. You know, that they say at one point, oh, a truck, I've never seen one before. Um, because, yeah, no, that's the bubble that they live in. Uh, they've got pocket watches and stuff. Like, that's, right. you know, there's, like, there's, like, a, a radio at some point, like, but they don't really, they don't watch TV, like, they don't have any of that stuff. Um, but there are, like, electric lights and, and things. Um, so that's sort of the vibe that they're giving off. And they, they all wear white all the time. That's actually a, an important, like, visual aspect of this thing, is that they all wear white all the yeah. time. Just like, you know, Victorian children or whatever. Yeah. So they can't get dirty. 
Right. It'll be very obvious if they get dirty. Yeah. And this is in, they're living in this basically, it looks like a gigantic uh, orphanage mm-hmm. um, from the way they depict it, at least. It's a, it's a really big group home. And actually, okay, so let's talk about the number of kids who are living in this group home. Um, it's a lot of kids. Like, you'd almost never see this in real life. Uh, it was clearly designed to be exactly that, like a dormitory. Let's see, there were 37 or 38. Uh, yeah, there are 37 in total, most under age 6. Um, and then they add another one, there's 38, with 16 of them being under the age of 3. So that's exactly how many kids are there. That's a lot of kids. Um, for one mom. One mom. For, yeah. yeah. Starting out, yeah. Considering that that mom is the only adult there taking care of them, that is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the kids help take care of the other kids, but it doesn't seem like it's, like, mega intensive. Uh, so I don't really know how it gets done. Yeah, I really... The... And who makes the food is my... You know, like, the kids make the food. Yeah, the kids do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, they do. So that's interesting. You never see them doing this kind of thing, though. Yeah, yeah. The the only thing you really see is at one point they're like, oh, um, mom invites uh, the older girls to come take care of the babies. The babies, yeah, to bathe the babies. Uh, to bathe that's, the babies. That's their uh, yeah. job, which, um, you know, realistic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm. We should probably talk about, because we've already made jokes about it, uh, we should probably talk about the kind of inciting incident of the story here. Okay, yeah, that is absolutely the inciting <laughs> incident. So, okay, so... Whenever kids um, either turn 12 or um, they, I guess, get adopted is what it seems like. Yeah. They're just, like, taken somewhere else, and it's unclear where they're going. They get dressed up in nice clothes, um, and then everybody's really happy about it. Like, like yeah, you're going somewhere. So there's this, like, little girl who, who is being chosen to leave, um, and I think she's, I don't know, age six or something I think six. Yes. Yeah. So she's like a little girl. Um, and uh, like they all say goodbye and they're happy for her. Yay. I, you know, she, she tells mom, I hope I get to be a mom like you one day. And it's like real sweet. And she's got this like little bunny. Yeah. Um, that yeah. mom made for her. Oh, that little bunny kills. It is. A, it's an adorable little stuffed bunny. Um, Where does mom find the time, you know? Yeah. And uh, she, she talks about, she she tells everyone a story about how it's the only bunny like it in the world, um, and and like she loves that bunny. And I I don't know if we've we've really clarified this, but so like everything that's not the orphanage they just call like the outside world. Mm-hmm. So she's going to the outside world is what they're saying, yeah. and then um, she leaves the bunny yeah, behind yeah. when she uh, goes. She accidentally leaves the bunny behind, um, or or purposely we don't know, but uh, so uh, Emma and. Uh, and Norman, they they find that she's left the bunny, and they're like, "Oh, we can probably still get it to her, you know, like, because uh, she was going up to the gate, which is the gate is really far away. They're not allowed to go there, um, but they go there anyway. They they like just sort of run out of the house and try to take the bunny to her. But uh, what's waiting for them is a truck, um, and they're just like, "Oh, what's up? A truck? Uh, I've never seen one before. Uh, let's look at it or whatever." Um, and what they see inside the truck is um, their little friend dead. Um, and she's got this 
like mysterious red flower through her, but that's not going to be important for a really long time. So <laughs> uh, I did not know what was up with that. Um, yeah, no, it's sort of confusing imagery, honestly, but uh, yeah. <laughs> and like they don't they they don't like draw any attention to it in this volume at all. No. Like you see it, it looks like it's going through her heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems to be like like my guess would be like a preservative or something. Like I don't know, a yeah. flavoring. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It's it's weird because like, if they're gonna be used for what we think they're gonna be used for, then why would we kill them there? Yeah. But this is not okay. So we're gonna talk about this. But <laughs> the demons. Yeah. The demons appear. So she's being picked up by some demons, and like, yeah, no, they're exactly what they sound like. Uh, they're just like monster dudes. Uh, they're kind of scary henchmen type demons. Yeah. Um, these are not demon kings. These are like, you know. These are just goons, goon demons. Demon underlings. Uh, the demon mob, yeah. And uh, they overhear a conversation uh, that turns out to be, you know, actually giving away a lot of information about uh, how, you know, delicious chil- children's brains are or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, human brains are the best, one of them says, I remember. Yeah, they make it very clear that the children are being eaten in this conversation. And it, so, like, Norman and, and Emma are hiding underneath the car right now. So that's what's happening. Um, they managed to, like, scramble out of sight. So don't worry about that. <laughs> We've still got, like, primary character stuff to do, so. Yeah. Yeah, and so at this point, the okay. demons are... Um, they make it clear that they they eat the children. They They basically put the little girl the six-year-old into like a pickle jar it looks like um and then they they say they like look at a list of the children that are in the house and they're like okay these three that are about to turn 12 have them ready for next time um which is going to be in about two months and like uh mom mom is there she she's like okay they're right. they're ready anytime they want uh and like from what they overhear, they surmise that six-year-olds are a normal grade of meat, while 12-year-olds are the highest grade. Um, and we haven't even talked about the tests that they take. Yeah. Um, so they take these tests um, every day. Um, and, like, uh, you know, you either do well or you don't. Um, but, you know, they sort of figure out over an amount of time. Should I reveal this, I guess? Sure. Okay, so... I'm not sure what you're revealing, so... uh, Over time, Norman and Emma come to the realization that their high scores on the test um, mean that they weren't harvested when they were six, but instead withheld to develop their brains to their tastiest form. Okay, right. Um, Because, you know, brains are what we're after, and smart brains are the best. Um, So after kids turn six, they're harvested in the order of low test scores. So whenever you're not doing so well on the test, which is what the little girl actually you know, says like a comment about um, you're taken, you know, because it's like, you know, this one's not going to get any better. So right, <laughs> it's kind of harsh, but um, of course they are eating children. So, uh, but no matter what, at age 12, you're gone. You're out of here. Right. Um, so this is actually based on a model of human brain development that says that 90% of the human brain is developed by the time a child is six. Um, another theory that it's a hundred percent developed by the time you're 12, uh, which I cannot confirm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't research that. This at one's all. not backed up. Uh, but that first one is, uh, is basically, I mean, essentially true. Um, it's amazing how, 
how much your brain uh, changes. Like age one through five, it's incredible. It doubles in size, you know, that first year. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about uh, cognitive development. Um, <laughs> or are we? Secret, secret, actual, alternative point of this I, I think there are more qualified people. Uh, we're here to talk about... Uh, Demons eating babies. Yeah, we're, we're here to talk about, um, you know, just like modest proposal type stuff. So basically, the what they realize at this point... Well, first they realize, since mom's there and she's like working with the... The demons yeah she's she's, that she's working more than demons. complicit like yeah. um you know it, it becomes clear that mom is you know a person who is not having a uh, cognitive dissonance issue with like you know i love these children uh these children are food she's like these children are food i'm farming these children these are my pigs uh here they are to go slaughter um it's the circle of life etc right um and it's totally fine with her and whatever. And also from the demon saying, you know, like these three children. So he says like the children that are getting the highest marks mm -hmm. and are about to turn 12. And guess who our um, three protagonists are. You yeah. Know? So they're the ones getting the highest marks, which is why they are going to turn 12. Unlike everyone else yeah, who gets taken Yeah, they're the three 11 year olds, you know, around. Um, I don't know if they're the only 11 year olds, but I, I think they're approximately that. Yeah. There might be a couple more. Uh, who just aren't that smart, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sucks. They, um, like, Norman and Emma start, like, strategizing about this because they're having a bit of a crisis. Uh, Mom actually makes this, like, bizarre show of um, finding a lost child in the forest to demonstrate that she knows where they are at all times, um, which, like, you know, scary. Um, but maybe she's sort of, like, signaling to them, you better not you know do anything yeah so basically at this point norma norma i did it i did it that's a emma, couple name that's emma a couple and name norman <laughs> hashtag um, norma <laughs> the, so yeah I'm, I'm just gonna refer to both of them collectively as norma so at this point norma uh are working together to try and figure out a way to escape so that they don't get taken to, to be demon food and um, mom realizes that there are people who have figured the truth out, but she doesn't know who they yeah, are. Yeah, she, she figures so. that, it's, uh, that it's, you know, a group of the older kids who may have gone out to the car and overheard that conversation. Because she, we forgot to mention that she does find the bunny yes. underneath the truck. And mom clearly knows that the bunny was not brought. Um, so she knows what's up. Yeah. Um, she has a list of suspects, um, and all of our kids, plus some more, are on there. Yeah. I'm not actually sure if Ray is on there. He might not be, but uh, definitely Emma and Norman are. Yeah. So she... So basically, they even, like, visually make this metaphor in the comic. It's basically a big game of uh, chess between them and Mom, and uh like they're both like strategizing her how to find the children and make sure they don't escape and them how to not be found and escape and yeah go ahead yeah um so they figure out that they are probably carrying tracking devices or trackers of some kind um they're pretty sure it has to do with mom's pocket watch because mom's made that pretty obvious um but uh they also think that um it doesn't specify which children, just that there are children about. So if one of the children is lost in the woods, as they saw, 
you know, mom can see that there is a child. So it's probably just like a blip on the radar or whatever. Um, but it does show that somebody's out there. So um, pretty soon they find out that, uh, you know, that they make plans to go out to the, the wall, which is the edge of the property, um, to figure out, like, can we escape from here? What's going on over there? And they find out that it's a really tall wall. It's it's pretty tall. It's huge. It's the biggest wall you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, definitely. It's huge. Um, so they, but Emma's not worried about it, obviously, in, in normal Emma fashion, because she's a, uh, She's super positive about everything. Um, and she can scale tall buildings in a single bound, I guess. But um, they discuss the possibility of telling the third 11-year-old, uh, Ray. Um, but he's been following them because he's totally weird and, and onto them. <laughs> and uh, he's just one step ahead all the time. And also he's a little psychopath. So they, uh, they discuss, you know, getting tablecloths to, to tie over the wall instead of ropes, because they don't have access to ropes. And the kids uh, immediately find that they have philosophical differences. Um, so Emma is the town Gryffindor, uh, I would say. And she wants to save every single person. She wants to make sure that all the babies and everyone gets rescued. Um, and Ray, the resident Slytherin, says it's impossible, um, because so many of them are so little. Um, and, like, you know, Norman is sort of like... he. He, he's always coming down on Emma's side because, like, he's low-key in love with her, so that's that's that. That's why they have a couple name, apparently. So, yeah. No, just kidding. But um, <laughs> Only in my brain. No, only reason. in your brain. I but, can't separate them. But, I mean, like, for sure he is, though. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. But, um, it, it, you know, in a non-creepy way, you know. He, he, sure. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Anyway. But, like, um... Ray's pretty harsh in presenting the truth of the outside world that he's figured out. Um, he's he's like, it's the demon world out there, and I don't know what we would be escaping into. Um, but pretty sure soon he like you know is pulling his weight by by being like, hey, the books in the library, they uh, present, you know, a a world that was not a demon world, and those are, you know, the most recent book is from 2015, which is. They explicitly say 30 years ago, so it's 2045 in this uh, series. That's what we've established. So um, there were books getting published in 2015 in this world. So everything was, you know, normal enough. So we don't know whether the outside world is all a demon world or if, you know, there's sort of like a demon layer and then, uh, and then there also is the human world somewhere still normal. Um, right. We don't know where this supply of orphans is coming from. If they're all underground right now, like we have no idea um, how this demon hierarchy works, but we are pretty sure it is a hierarchy. Um, yeah, they they basically laid out the uh, ex exposition demons. Yes, the yeah, the, the two exposition demon goons uh, that they say the um, weird spit like name of some demon. Let's just call him that. That's what we're calling him. Yeah, uh, because I don't remember. <laughs> Okay, and then uh, sort of the last um, issues are about, um, you know, mom sort of preventing the kids from doing any preparation work um, for escaping or whatever. Um, so a new nanny is brought in, which is apparently, like, never happened before. You know, it's not much of a thing, um, so it's interesting. Um, she is, her name is Sister Crone, which is uh, obviously a terrifying name. Um, and a new baby is brought at the same time. 
um, which is important because the kids think they can find the tracking device scar from where it was implanted on this new baby. Yeah. Um, which, you know, spoilers, they, they do find that um, because, you know, Emma is smart and uses her brain. So good for her. But um, that's pretty much it for, like, the the first volume, though. Yep. That's pretty much the first volume. Well, I mean, I guess we can talk about that um, it's revealed that this new nanny, you know, she used to get perfect scores on the tests as well when she was an orphan. And it's also revealed that mom was an orphan. Um, She has the, uh, she has the number. They all have numbers on their necks, which I forgot to mention as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of like little set piece details that are super iconic to this series that, uh, that you're not getting the full picture of um, by not looking at the pictures. So. Yeah, and the numbers, I don't know. I didn't really look into it very much, but the numbers seemed a little bit randomly assigned. They, they're definitely randomly um, assigned. Like, I mean, I didn't look into it either, but I've, I've thought about it before because I, I spent a lot of time, I spent 12 episodes staring at them. So, <laughs> like, I, I was like, what are these, like, wouldn't these numbers be next to each other or whatever? Because, yeah. like, when were they brought? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, no, they, they seem pretty randomly assigned. Like, um, at first I thought, you know, is this a date? That was my first theory, but uh, I, I don't think that went anywhere. So yeah, I, I think they're just random numbers, probably. which is fine. Um, they're merchandise, so why not? I don't know. Um, it's probably like uh, walking the aisles at Ikea. Um, <laughs> where oh, where yeah. you're like, these numbers have no meaning. I'm dying. Where's the Dewey <laughs> Decimal System? But wouldn't I say that? Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry, flashbacks. I'm sorry. Uh, Ikea flashbacks. But, um, yeah, so we, we find out that uh, those weird little details about, you know, mom having survived the orphan experience as well as Sister Crone. So maybe being a mom is the only way out. Maybe it's not. We don't know. Right. Um, so they weren't killed with a flower the second that they left. So how do you do that? Might be an important detail to find out. Oh, yeah. And, and Sister Crone, uh, she wants to uh, take mom's job uh, also she's the she's a schemer she's seriously wigged out like i don't i don't know what they were going for there but um i find the um the presentation of sister crone like mm, uh, worrying a little bit uh, <laughs> like um so i mean i guess let, let's transition into like uh maybe some of our low points or something Sure, we'll do the uh, we'll do some negative zone. Negative. All right. So, uh, what were your what were your low points then? Okay, so um, the kids are like introduced as you know in the in the group home. There's kids of all different like races and you know um, everything like that. Um, but they mostly look white to me. Um, and you know, they have like mostly white names, like, uh, mom's name is Isabella. So, I mean, that's, that could be white or not. We don't know. Um, but like sister Crone is, uh, is black. She's like the only black character. Um, and she's, I mean, she's, she's bonkers. Like she's, she's at, like her character design is a little bit bonkers and like, she's actually kind of, kind of bonkers. Yeah. Um, she acts like she's just banana pants all the time. Um, but like, like she carries around a little stuffed animal. She talks to it. She's weird. She's a weird lady. I don't think she started doing that yet. I think she, she does that in the I anime. I think she did. Oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> she's she's a weird lady, but um, she's, she's definitely, definitely weird. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, why did that have to be the only black character? Is my complaint. I I really feel like some of the kids, at least in the manga, that they they were at least shaded very similarly to Sister Crumb. They might have been, but they're not important characters, are they? They're, they're not, not important, important characters. characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess one background. of the older kids is a little bit um like screen toned a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I don't see any black kids there but it it is it's a little hard it is to of tell. course hard to tell yeah and yeah and and none of our three main characters are um at all shaded maybe because like the mangaka didn't want to have to deal with that like i i see that a lot um where the mangaka is just like this character was a pain in the ass because they're so screen toned and i was like okay well yeah that's fair but um also not fair at all like just do the work it's fun. it's computers so i I felt like that was um, a strategic error. Um, I know Japan is different than the rest of the world, but, you know, get with it probably. But yeah, Sister Crone's depiction is just, it's weird. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it definitely feels uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, no, like, you know, I hesitate to even bring it up because like, you know, I'm the white person in the room, <laughs> and uh, I mean, besides the dog. Wait, no, she's not even. The- oh, she's not. She left. But yeah, like you know, I'm stay puffed over here. Like, let's talk about race. So, yeah. Just, but I mean, at the same time, doesn't that mean that I should be the one to to just go ahead and do it because it's it's not work for me? Yeah. Anyway. Well, I mean, if this was written in America, I, I, there would probably be like Upset some, yeah. some, yeah, backlash yeah. Um, for that character's depiction. Being in Japan, you know, I think they look at it. Japan's super monolithic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they don't know like what what that even suggests. You know, may, maybe it was just like this character was fun to draw, yay, um, and probably it was, yeah. Maybe. Probably that character was fun to draw. Um, and speaking of character design, uh. I guess we could talk about, like, the demons. Um, You know, it's a pretty standard art style, um, but the demons are super different. Um, They're, like, tentacles, and then, like, we've got, like, a... Like, it looks like a a demon king over here with, like, his uh, spiky horns and stuff. And, like, apparently, you know, the art style was what really drew the mangaka to the artist. Um... Because like he was obsessed with her art style, um, and it's it's certainly different. Um, it's not really a low point. I don't have much to say about the art style, as a matter of fact. I actually liked that at one point they were like uh, researching demons. At one point they were like researching demons in the library. They had like a book, um, and it showed a picture of a demon. And it looked nothing like the demons, yeah. you know, that, that we saw earlier. It was like, it was a more standard looking demon, you know, it was like horns and like, uh, kind of gargoyle-ish looking. Yeah, and like the demons that, that we see are, um, like they're, they're at least a lot more, um, uh, creative looking. That They're more like, um. They're like these shadows. More like a Pan's form. Labyrinth situation. Yeah. Than, yeah, I mean. That they're certainly creative looking, so that must be like what uh, the manga collect about the artist. Um, and you know, I I should say that uh, I read a lot of manga. If I say so myself, <laughs> um, let me just out myself here. But um, I do not. I rarely see um, like 
the mangaka being a different person as the illustrator. Like I see it in webtoons all the time. Like that happens all the time. But I kind of rarely see it for manga. Like usually you're like this person drew this and also they're the author. Um, they're the creator. They're the writer. Um, so that was interesting to see. So it's a male mangaka. And that's my low point. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not to be a hater. But like, okay, so sort of um, it's really cool. It's really cool that we've got like a female main character in this um, thing published in, in Shonen Jump. You know, it's really, really rad. And like Emma's great. She's fantastic. Um, she also spends the whole time like sort of feeling like her sense of strategy is inferior to the boys, even though the, she's like, Seemingly just as clever and definitely twice as strong and fast. So, like, it, it felt a little, like, seriously, like, Hermione being left out of Ron and Harry, even though she's, like, the obvious leader, because they're like, oh, she's so shrill and bossy. And, you know, I see this in manga a lot, uh, especially, it, you know, even in manga written by and for women, uh, there's just, like, this gender-based indoctrination stuff that's baked into the culture, Um in theirs and in ours, so that sucks to see, but, you know, it's not as pervasive as in a lot of other work, so I can't complain too, too much. This is, you know, uh, this person didn't start the fire, is what I'm saying. Like, this writer didn't start the fire, but they are perpetuating the fire. <laughs> They're spreading the fire. Um, so there is that. Yeah. Nothing to say about that? Um... I mean, that was, yeah, that was bothering me, like, immediately. Because she's getting perfect scores on these, like, intelligence tests. And, like, but she's, she's so much more personable than either of these two <sighs> other kids, too. And, and just, like, she's got, like, everyone loves her. Like, she walks around there like a celebrity. Because, like, everybody's like, Emma, Emma, I want Emma to play with me. And it's like, nobody's like, oh, Ray, I wish you would play with me. Because, like, no, you never would. Because he's just, like, not sociable. <laughs> And, like, Norman is just, like, plain vanilla man. But, I mean, yeah, like, she's getting perfect scores on these tests, but she's still like, oh, I'm so much less intelligent than the boys. And, and God, it's like it hurts because it rings so true, you know? <laughs> like, you know, it, yeah. It, it's funny to me because, you know, I've been reading a lot of DC comics um, for uh, reasons. And, <laughs> um, like, you know, DC a lot. Like a man. I see, <laughs> I see a lot in their comics for, like, um... They, you know, they have a lot of teams where the woman is the leader or she's like the second in charge. Um, Are men constantly questioning her decision? And no, it's, it it's usually seems like it's, oh, she's the leader because like she's the strategy and we need the men to be like the muscle. So it's like the opposite, you know, uh, of, of this story where like it's like she's the muscle. Well, that's actually what I like. <laughs> in the like, the that's why I'm you know? forgiving it, because like that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. I, I do like that, um, that she's just like, no problem. I can open this pickle jar. I can open a hundred <laughs> pickle jars. I'm amazing. And it's like, okay, well, I, I know. Um, she's like, I can perform surgery. They're like, okay, do it. <laughs> like, she's, she's pretty cool. And she's down for whatever. And she's got all the, like, you know, it is like life. You know, you have to be that much better um, at everything. You have to be like, I'm a brain surgeon. I'll be like, okay, you can, we'll hire you to be a librarian. Um, <laughs> or a kindergarten teacher, you know, and those are the choices you get. Yeah. But uh, not to talk too much about my own feelings, but whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so my, my, my second, like, sort of low point, 
criticism. Um, and this is just the first volume, but you get these strange, like, um, perspective changes that um, I, I understand, like, they serve a purpose, but they are odd. Um, because y you've got this thing where it's, like, you'll be, like, hanging out with the kids and, you know, like, the kids go over to the car and it's, like, oh, we overheard some stuff. And, that, like, that's sort of how it has to work whenever you have, like, protagonists. Unless you just go right into the brain of other characters who are not your main characters sometimes, which is what we get. Um, we get, like, the stuff from mom that's, that's, like, oh, she's, like, revealing her scar or, like, she's having conversations with the other nanny that are revealing, like, a lot. And the kids are absolutely nowhere near this. And the kids don't really know what's going on right now. Um, it has nothing to do with them or their arc. But, um, you know, it is happening um, and then we get this, like, weird demon reveal at the end, um, where it's, like, just, like, demons having dinner or whatever and having a conversation at dinner. Yeah. And that was the oddest thing of all. But I see why they did it. You know, they were like, hey, check it out. More demons to come. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, because it's, like, literally, like, the last two pages is, like, demon dinner. It's, it's just like, ooh, demon Thanksgiving, but we're already here, even though we're waiting for these 12-year-olds to die. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I mean, like, yeah, because it, it is weird, because, like, the whole book is basically from the kids' perspectives. A lot of the times, even when it's showing what mom is thinking, um, they're, like, in the background of the page or the panel. So, you know, like, they're, like, kind of always there. And then, like, the last several pages of the last chapter, it's, like, it goes to Sister Crone, and it spends time with Sister Crone, like, planning her takeover Being away from Mom. Pants. And then, like, like, getting on a radio and talking to the demons yeah, there's at like, their demon there's dinner. Yeah, there's, like, ham radio talking to demons, you know, um, and that is obviously a little bit odd. And, like, so, like, it just, like, suddenly, after six or however many issues or whatever are, are, are part of this, like all of a sudden we just cut to this like completely different perspective for like the whole like last half or something of this, this story. Like it's so weird, but yeah, yeah. I mean like as a first volume, you know, it was a little awkward, um, but you know, I mean, it, it is of course still a first volume. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess that about covers it for uh, negative points. We kind of already did talk high points, um, but did you have any any other high points uh, you might want to bring up? I mean, like, you know, I, I like the characters. Um, you know, I, I can't say that I, I think that there were any advantages to reading the manga over watching the anime. Um, so kind of not that we're exclusive to the manga honestly like and you know i there are certain genres that i i tend to you know be like oh i would rather watch the anime um versus i would rather read the manga um and it tends to be like i want to read a shoujo manga no matter what um even if i watch the anime like i i'll probably enjoy the manga more um whereas like you know senin or shonen which that's manga for men and boys. Um, I tend to just want to watch the anime because there's so much action anyway. Um, and I can't say that this is any different. You know, like, uh, I dropped off of reading My Hero um, because it's just 
substantially similar to the anime, and I enjoy the anime a lot. So getting to actually see the movement yeah, yeah. really helps. I'm getting to see him uh, break all his arms is is really satisfying. No, um, no but it's uh, yeah, it just makes more sense. You, you have to deal with a lot less like kapow sound effects and you know versus like you know Krakum acted out on the screen. Right, that's better for me. Um, and I, I can't say like the anime was really good. Um, I really liked it. So cool. Well, I haven't seen the anime. Um, I would be from reading this. I'd be willing to, I think, since I don't really have any high points specific to the manga either. Um, I let's let's go ahead and jump into the, um, you know, uh, future interest of the series. Um, so for me personally, uh, as I was about to say, the my my interest i don't think i'd want to keep reading the manga um just judging from this first volume so my my interest level would be pretty low but i i think i would enjoy an anime more i i feel like the manga almost i don't know it's hard to tell i guess from a first volume but i i do kind of feel like the manga was moving a little too slow i i was really hoping that like they cover this material in maybe like an episode or two of the show <laughs> um and if so i could i think i could watch an anime <laughs> much more than i could this but um yeah that's kind of that's my perspective on it so what's your uh what's your your view on the first volume and continuing um i don't I don't see myself uh, keeping on reading this, even though I could find out like what's happening, you know, since, since uh, I, I could go to the end and find out the end. Right. Like, even so, I think I would enjoy it more if I found out the end from the anime. Um, sorry. <laughs> I feel bad about it because like, you know, reading, yay. Uh, reading is lit, but. <laughs> Thank you. Reading is literature. Uh, I mean, I do want to find out a lot of answers to some of these questions, like, um, like pretty bad actually, and and I hope it's actually something interesting versus whether it's like going nowhere and it's like, oh, I just picked flowers to stab them with for no reason. Um, that would be really disappointing to me because, like, seriously, what's up with those flowers? Like, it was driving me crazy. Um, I'm just like, why the flower imagery? I I need to look up what this flower is. What it, what is it in the language of flowers? Like. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty suspenseful, uh, but, uh, you know, I hope we find out that, like, you know, is Norman the Demon King? Um, <laughs> you know, is Factory Farming evil? Um, I hope we find out that, like, Mom is Mary Poppins, um, but also a witch. I don't know. Like, I, we might find out all kinds of things. I don't know. Mostly, mostly the, you know, the mystery is around Mom. Like she's, she's sort of like the scary um, person with the most potent uh, ability to to hurt them. Um, she could throw them under the bus at any time, but it almost seems like she's giving them like clues sometimes. Yeah. But also, she doesn't really care if they stay afloat. You know, like maybe she's cool with them having been there. But it seems like she's more prideful and like she's raised good stock. These are amazing pigs. I'm gonna take them to the state fair and like I'm they're just gonna be like pay dirt. Um and she's she's an egregious person, but it's easy to see why you would I don't know, uh cooperate 
you know, when you don't have a choice. Um, and it seems like if she came from the same system, then this is the only way she can survive. Right. So I, I do want to know, like, all kinds of stuff about what's going on in the outside world. Like, I want them to just, like, swan dive out of there and, and figure out what, what the demons are doing. Yeah, gotta. I mean, I definitely curious. Uh, like, what's beyond the big wall? <laughs> like, you and me both. That that is what I want to know. Like, like, I I had what's to, out I there. had to stop myself from like peeking in like further volumes. Like, I really like uh, they're they're teasing me, but but I I just think it would be more enjoyable if I if I waited out. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, uh, if I hadn't seen the anime, I would be like, no. Nah. I'm just going to drop off this. Even though I, it feels like I'm sort of the target audience for, like, a uh, fun kids uh, solving mystery thriller, uh, you know, murder children, uh, children avoiding murder. Um, this is, you know, sadly, that is my genre uh, many times. So if I'm the target audience and, you know, I wasn't gripped by it, then that's not amazing. That's fair. Well, that's Promised Neverland. Or the promise Neverland. A modest proposal. It's called the modest proposal. <laughs> the modest proposal. A modest proposal. Soylent green is orphan. That's our show. I guess. Do you have anything else you want to add at the end here? I mean, I, I think I just said soylent green is orphan. <laughs> so. uh, that's right. That's true. That's all we need to say. So, thank you, everybody, for watching or listening or whatever you're doing, and. Uh, Hope to see you next time right here in the Comic Cave. I mean, I thought Orphan's Food for Thought was, I mean, that's just a summary right there.